Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. He somehow pulled off. Alan Bowman manages to get year number seven of college eligibility. He'll be back next year for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Also, a look back on the best of from Big 12 bowl season, who had their best moments for the league in bowl season. And also a look at this weekend's college basketball slate in the Big 12. I am Josh Neighbors. This is the Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. If you find us in those podcast places, five stars, please. And also, if you all find us in the YouTube realm, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and leave comments. That all helps us out very much. Right now, we are a couple uh, subs away from 12,600 subs. So if you all could sub, we'd really appreciate that. All the folks here at Crystal Ball and at 365 would, I would especially try on the get on that road over oh, there now. Uh, our, our goal is 13K here pretty soon. So help us get to 13K if you could. Uh, and then you guys can find us on X slash Twitter. I am at Josh Neighbors underscore. The show is at NWPod365. So the topic du jour today is uh, Alan Bowman getting a seventh year of eligibility. And this comes, I'm reading right now from Dave Wilson, a big boost. They granted him the, uh, the, the, you know, uh, the year of eligibility will turn 24 before next season. Guys, Alan Bowman was at Texas tech, excuse me, when I was a junior in college, I graduated in December of 2019. So it's been over four years since I've graduated college. Uh, 2018, Alan Bowman was in college where he was at Texas Tech until 2020. Then he went to Michigan from 21 to 22. And obviously he has been at Oklahoma State. Um, he met the criteria for an extension of his eligibility due to his season ending, ending injury in 2019, combined with the red shirt at Michigan. Also, he had the COVID year as well. So you combine a season ending injury. There's one an actual red shirt two, a COVID year that's three. And that is how we are ending up with year number seven. But this is, this is one of those where I'm not sure how to feel about it because Alan Bowman was the right choice for this year's team. But I think big question, and this happens a lot. I think there are big questions about the ceiling of Oklahoma State as a whole. And I think part of that has to do with their defense. I do think part of that has to do with their offense. And part of that does have to do with Alan Bowman. He is not particularly mobile. He is not particularly accurate. And this year at times he was he's good at avoiding sacks. I kind of I kind of misspoke throughout the year. He was good at avoiding sacks. He was not always good about taking care of the football. And I think there is a kind of a line between those two things. You can be good at taking care of the football at large, but get sacked a lot. 
you can uh, take care of the football and, you know, and get sacked a lot. You know, you can get sacked a lot, take it like, like all those things, right? You can do both uh, be sloppy with the football and get sacked a lot. He was only sacked seven times this year. And for a guy who does not have considerable speed, I would say it was actually a pretty decent performance when it came to Alan Bowman escaping pressure. So I think that's actually a fair thing to say about Bowman's performance in that category. But 14 INTs, 15 TDs, and look, he had a couple games where he lit it up. Uh, you know, I thought that game, obviously, against Texas A&M, he lit it up, but to throw two picks. Texas game wasn't very good. Um, you know, he threw for a lot of yards against 321 against BYU, but had the two interceptions. Uh, you know, he lit it up against Houston. Uh, let's see, where else? Lit it up against OU in a pretty considerable way, too. But once again, this guy is not a dynamic runner. And, uh, you know, I mean, he threw at least one interception in each of the last five games that he played this year. But, but that being said, this team was all over the place and then found success when they made this guy the full-time starter. Was the Iowa State game pretty? No, it was not. But Iowa State was playing good ball back then. But the rest of the way, guys, they, you know, he only lost uh, three, he lost three games as a starter, but like, you know, the UCF game was a wipeout and the Texas game was a wipeout. And so, yes, do I have overall concerns about how good Oklahoma State's offense can be, what their top gear is with a guy like Alan Bowman playing quarterback? Yes, I do. But you made a Big 12 championship game. Um, and you're going to return a lot of guys back from a team that made the Big 12 championship game. So it's right to think that you might have an opportunity to do that again with a guy that everybody believes in. So while his ups, like he's not going to get much better. You know, this is not a guy, guys get better as they get older. Sure. I think the one thing too, is the interceptions. Maybe he could cut those down. Right. So if we're cutting down turnovers that would make him better. But like, this is not, I mean, this was a guy that at a time at tech, different offense too, you know, he's still not like the most accurate passer in the world. I mean, 69% his freshman year, which was great, but then down to 66, then down to 65. And then he didn't throw enough passes to qualify. And this last year, 61. And actually, to be honest, I thought it was a pretty decent, this ended up being a pretty decent receiving core for Oklahoma State. And they have Ollie Gordon to lean on. Um, so you're, you're, you're basically trading potential upside here for what you know is a guy people believe in, elder statesman, all of those things. And also guys had some, it's not like he sucks, right? But he's had some success. Um, I think another part of this too is maybe there was not a better option out there. Maybe Oklahoma state could not find, sorry, my, my sore is crap today. So I have to kind of move the legs around a bit. Maybe you could not find somebody that was better off. I think that's definitely part of this. And also guys, we know last year, the snafu that they had with their quarterback situation. And you could say, well, how much of a snafu was it really with Spencer Sanders leaving, but they missed the Big 12 champion. You know, um, they missed it with Spencer last season, uh, obviously. But like this, this could have been a conversation we didn't even have to have. And if you were to ask me which quarterback would I rather have, I think Spencer Sanders, it's not particularly close. He is a better quarterback. Now, this year, 
I think Spencer, you know, lost confidence and I think a lot of things went wrong for him, but I think Spencer Sanders showed us throughout his time. He's a better quarterback, right? His entire career just improving. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, I thought Spencer Sanders was the most important player on that 2022 version of Oklahoma state that really tanked down the back stretch, especially in that TCU game, you know, they have big lead Spencer gets injured and everything changes from that moment moving forward. So, um, you know, I think there's something to be said about, Hey, how many better options did you have? I know they like some of the guys that they've recruited and brought in. I know Gunnar Gundy left too, but I think this basically came down to, you know, can they get an extra year? Because we actually reached a pretty high, we reached some pretty high heights with uh, Alan Bowman at quarterback. And it actually isn't a bad thing to bring him back. So there, there's a couple ways to look at this, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, you know, Mike Gundy has confidence in this guy. And as soon as they picked him, the, the, you know, the season went a lot, things went a lot better. I know they only had one loss when they, you know, go to him and he lost his first start. But you look back at that South Alabama game, they were carouseling like crazy and things were not going well. And the carousel in the ASU game almost killed them, but their defense comes up big. That's why they win that game, in my opinion. Their offense does eventually get some scores. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a choice. You're kind of going with the devil you know in some ways. But I think it's it has to be a conversation about, hey, what is the Oklahoma State ceiling with a guy like that at quarterback? And look, maybe because Texas is gone and OU are gone, you can win the Big 12 now. But, Man, there are some games, like the games they lost, it, it just does not feel like it's a team built to play from behind. They did against BYU, but it's, it's not a good team that you're playing from behind against. And UCF was a six-win team and erased you immediately. Texas, there was no coming back in that game too. So, uh, you know, there's there's some different ways to think about uh, the situation here with this. I, 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 don't, I would like to know what you all think in the comment section below, but I think it's a really interesting, you know, it, it, it's the right choice. Right. But um, for stability's sake, it is. But but I think, you know, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you're like, man, I kind of I want to see if this offense had a different gear. You know, I think protecting the football, sure, maybe it does. But uh, is Alan Bowman going to get meaningfully better? I know playing time for him has been cut off earlier in his career. So it's almost like he's you know starting again in some ways. But still, this is not a guy who's been beating out people every single place that he has gone. So uh, it's a balancing act, I think, if you will, in terms of mentality-wise where I'm at. Which gets us, you know, and he got a bowl win too, got him 10 wins, 10 win quarter, you know, quarterback with 10 win team. The Big 12 bowl takeaways. What was the best of from the Big 12 season? And we hit some of these last week, but I want to hit some of the stuff again. Uh, top four for me, the nine win hive, Mike Gundy getting to 10 again, Texas Tech with momentum still, and Arizona's Alamo Bowl announcement. So first, let's go with the nine-win hive. K-State, nine wins. Kansas, nine wins. And West Virginia, nine wins. When I think about those three nine-win teams, it all represents something different. For K-State, it is more continued success. When you think about K-State season by season, right? You think about what they have accomplished at K-State in terms of football. You look at Bill Snyder's record, and it's a great record there. But thinking about the nine, and th this is when he shows, oh, well, I'm going to go, let's go them in the Big 12, right? Nine and three, 11 and one, 11 and two, 11 and one, 11 and three, six and six, 11 and two, 11 and four, four and seven, five and six there at the end. You go know, Ron Prince, uh, you know, Bill Snyder once again back again, but six and six, seven and six, 10 and three, 11 and two, 11, uh, eight and five, nine and four, six and seven, nine, eight. So you see, 
that's where they want to live. They should be living in the eight, seven to nine section. That's where they live. And now climbing when eight and five, four and six down, but eight and five, 10 and uh, 10 and four, and then nine and four. So they have got 27 wins in the last three seasons. Obviously, that is an average of nine. And that nine average to me is where this program should be. Don't mean to, didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. Um, so that is what to me that nine wins means for K State. Then when I think about Kansas, this is about an elevation of a program. And I said this year, talking to Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks, and he works in radio in Lawrence, I said to him before the season, you know, hey, like maybe a winning season isn't always what progress is supposed to look like and what progress means because their schedule, guys, was really tough. They had K-State on the schedule. They had Texas Tech on the schedule. They had both Oklahoma and Texas on the schedule, right? And so that, and, and you know, um, the K-State game obviously became very challenging situation they had, Tech game situation they had. But, you know, this program is about having guys like Jason Bean step up and play that well for you. Retaining talent like Jason Bean is huge because it means at a position like quarterback, you are okay if your main guy, Jalen Daniels, goes down, right? And there's so many aspects of program building, but the big one that we saw bite KU in the butt last year was lack of depth. And as the season went along, things got harder for them. And that didn't feel like the case this year. Yes, they lost games, but they weren't, you know, when they had the third string in there, they were not getting erased. They were not getting dog walked. They were not getting killed. And so that's huge. Having retaining guys like Jason Bean is huge. Being competitive, even when you don't have your second or first string stuff, is huge. Like nine wins is huge, right? Nine wins in general is huge. But I like to think about Kansas in terms of what went into the nine wins. And to me, it's like the coaching, the game plans, the preparedness, the fact that against Oklahoma, they did not look outmatched physically, which they only looked outmatched physically against Texas. And that happened to a lot of teams that played Texas this year, right? And so uh, that's what I think about when I think about Kansas winning nine games. And Jason Bean, what a moment for him going off into the sunset with a six-touchdown, 470-yard performance in their bowl game. And look, it's not always going to be nine, 10 wins, but with what they have returning next season, Kansas is a threat in the big 12 title race. We have to respect them there. And then West Virginia getting win number nine has to be mentioned because West Virginia getting nine wins clearly significant for that reason. But in a season where Neil Brown had to have it he takes back play calling, he develops the quarterback, and they get themselves to a pretty decent spot. And look, they beat a lot of good teams, sure, not, not a lot of great teams, but they had success and they had a bit of an identity. Good vertical passing, good in the run game, three-headed monster, right? And their defense occasionally could bow up. North Carolina game, they bowed up. So overall, that's why I like the nine-win hive. Then Mike Gundy gets to 10 again. Another 10-win season for Mike Gundy. We talked about this the other day, but this guy just wins football games. Sorry, we got the dryer washer going. Um, this guy just wins football games. That is what he does. And he is, to me, I mean, it's, it's a competition between him and Kyle Whittingham, I believe, for who is the best coach in the Big 12. Uh, Mike Gundy, I give the edge to because of just a ridiculous amount of sustained success. Right? He's essentially got like, 
mean, he's really kind of a modern day Frank Beamer, if you think about it, right? Virginia Tech has that long bowl streak. Uh, Mike Gundy has it too. And, and honestly, it's it's funny, you know, they're actually starting to peak a little bit, in my opinion. They're starting to go to more championship games and things of that nature. So starting to peak a bit uh, with terms of like top tier performances. Let's see. Also here, we've got Texas Tech momentum still. Talked about this one before, but for Tech fans, I know the expectations were a bit higher this year. Still, though, you have to feel pretty good about back-to-back winning seasons. They have not had a coach, the same coach, I should say, have back-to-back winning seasons since Mike Leach did it, right, back in 08, 09. So I think that has to be another than Arizona, man, whipping some ass in uh, their offense, at least whipping some ass in that um, defense is some good stuff, some good stuff too, but uh, then whipping some ass in that uh, in that bowl game. All right, here is your Big 12 schedule for the weekend. Hope you all like this graphic. I had some fun making this. Uh, this is a nice rematch. CBS, uh, 1 o'clock. TCU at number 2, KU. That's big, obviously, because, you know, TCU has had a weird season so far. Jamie Dixon getting ejected was funny in, in, in Hawaii, but um, not quite the team they were last year. But this is a game they won last year. ESPN, uh, excuse me, ESPN Plus at 1. West Virginia and number three, Houston. Uh, West Virginia up and down season, obviously. Two o'clock, ESPN plus. Baylor, number 18, the country at Oklahoma State. Guys, Oklahoma State has not been a good year for them, but big opportunity here, obviously. Not to say turns everything around, but get a big one at home. Five o'clock on the plus, Iowa State and Oklahoma have both had very nice starts to the season. So they'll take each other on in that game. UCF and K-State on ESPN2 at 5 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, it's Texas Tech at number 20, Texas. And then uh, Cincinnati off to a great start under Wes Miller. Schedule has not been great, but man, Mark Pope and the number 12 ranked BYU Cougars. And this is just another example, guys, of the slate Big 12 can offer when it comes to games. Really going to dive in. I'll have my best bets tomorrow. But look at that. From 1 o'clock, a Kansas game featuring number two team in the country all the way to not at home, by the way, in a game they lost last year, all the way down to uh, nine o'clock where you've got a top 15 team hosting another 11 win team. And uh, John Rothstein had something today that I think was worth uh, visiting when it comes to hoops. He says that with the big 12 uh, this year, let's see. Oh, I'm trying to find the, the, the tweet basically about like, Hey, the, the toughest schedules in the country are all Big 12 teams the rest of the way. So buckle up. It's I mean, everybody, I think um, 70% of Big 12 home games or road games, whatever, are quadrant one wins, are quadrant one opportunities. That's huge. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter slash X at NWPod365. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find this show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, we will see you next time.